This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. And it is great to be with you again. Carl Gallops is here for the full two hours to discuss end times prophecy, the Antichrist, the satanic deception, the construction of the third temple, how crucial is that to end times prophecy, all of this uh, detailed in his new book, Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. Quite a provocative title. Uh, Carlos Kajina is the technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream producer. And yes, we are live streaming tonight on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Uh, Please hit that uh, subscribe button if you're watching the live stream. And if you haven't checked out the live stream, uh, we do stream this radio program at the same time. You can see me in my little studio beneath the stairs. And often my guest also appears on his or her webcam. Now, Carl Gallops is not on camera tonight. He's down in the Panhandle, Florida. They just came out the other side of Hurricane Sally uh, yesterday and my understanding is they've just only recently uh, got their power back up, and uh, the Wi-Fi is still very poor at this point, but he'll uh, be joining us on the phone. Uh, also, if you haven't already done so, please take a moment and register for my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum. I'll be starting work on the October issue sometime next week. And to register, go to strangeplanet.ca, and up near the top, you'll see a little yellow banner that says, click here to subscribe. Click on it, and a little box will pop up asking for your email. And that's it. You're done. You'll start receiving Inner Sanctum delivered right to your email inbox every month, absolutely free. And Inner Inner Sanctum includes my monthly brief, which is a column on my, my views on the big issues of the day. Uh, There's also a look back at the month in UFO or conspiracy history. There is my podcast episode pick of the month for my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. There's a a spotlight on a a past guest, a book recommendation, and much more. Inner Sanctum. Again, subscribe today at strangeplanet.ca. Well, we are 
Gallup, uh, Carl Gallup's believes, living in prophetic times. Consider the institutions of education, entertainment, science, information, and communication technology, even the church, that have been either distorted or completely usurped by the demonic realm, he writes. Contemplate the sheer deluge of the doctrines of demons that continues to pour to pour forth upon humanity from all of these sources. And think of the younger citizens of this planet who've only known this kind of diabolical fakery for their entire lives. Is there any wonder that so much confusion reigns across the planet, he says? What kind of world to come is being created by this torrent of filth and fraud? The Bible gives us the answer. It's all hurtling toward the kingdom reign of the man of lawlessness. The deception continues to unfold before us every single day. It commenced ages ago with a steady drip, drip, drip. Then it eventually evolved into a rapidly flowing stream. Then it blossomed into a raging river. Now it's bearing down upon us like a devastating tsunami. And much of today's church is sound asleep as it approaches. In masquerade. Prepare for the greatest con job in history. He writes, we will witness the the unveiling of some of the grandest mysteries of God's word. We can read firsthand, the firsthand account about a stunning end times vision that is currently sweeping the planet and changing lives for the kingdom. Carl Gallup has been the senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida since 1987. He is also a critically acclaimed Amazon top 60 best-selling author of eight books and counting. I believe that's a little more than that now. Anyway, Carl is a graduate of the Florida Law Enforcement Academy, Florida State University, uh, where he has a Bachelor of Science degree in criminology, and the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He's got a Master's in Divinity. He serves on the Board of Regents at the University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama, And Carl is a former decorated law enforcement officer, having served under three sheriffs, under two different sheriff's offices. He was also appointed as a special deputy in January 2016 under former Sheriff Joe Arpaio, uh, Maricopa County, uh, Arizona. Carl has also been a talk radio host since 2002 with a large international audience and a regular guest pundit on numerous television and radio programs as well as various media, uh, print media sources. He's also a frequent guest preacher at National Prophecy and Bible Conferences. He's preached the gospel of Jesus Christ on three continents in four nations and all over the United States and Canada, including Hawaii and Alaska. He was featured on Fox News Business Report in 2016 as an influential evangelical leader, publicly endorsing candidate Donald Trump for the office of president. His his previous books include The Rabbi Who Found Messiah, When the Lions Roar, or uh, When the Lion Roars, Gods and Thrones, Gods of Ground Zero, Gods of the Final Kingdom, and his latest masquerade, Be Prepared for the Greatest Con Job in History. Carl, how are you? Richard, my dear friend, listen, it's an honor to be with you and your fantastic audience. Thanks for having me on tonight. Oh, my pleasure. And um, how did you fare through Hurricane Sally? Everyone's okay? Thank you. You're so kind for asking. Yeah, short story. Uh, My family and I fared very well. 
A um, lot of devastation and damage in, in, in our region. Uh, very, very few deaths, I think two uh, so far out of several million people living in this region. Um, and it's a shame for those two, but I mean, that's the, that's a, an awfully low statistical number. We're very blessed. It was a pretty major hurricane. It was one mile an hour from being a Category 3 when it hit. And we went right about through the brunt of it, just on the outside edge of the eye. So we, we, we took a big hit. A lot of flooding, rivers flooding, bridges flooded, roads flooded, trees down, power out. Power still out in many places. But, but, but we're doing okay. Our church did well, and uh, everybody in it pretty much did. So thanks for asking. Masquerade. The, uh, this book, I understand, was written and sent to the printer before the pandemic hit right. last, uh, well, November, December. Yeah. But it's interesting because I want you to talk to me and my audience about the cover of this book, which is kind of that the timing is very eerie. It freaked me out and my publisher and the cover designer. And it's not just the cover, it's the contents. Let me, let me explain. Um, I did. I wrote this book in 2019. Um, I think it was finished by late summer. It had to get into the publishers in the fall because we had to do the cover work and the title had to be solidified. And of course, I get a big say in that. But I'm, I'm published with a major publisher, so they they foot the bill on everything, and so you know they get the final say on the title and they get the final say on the release date. So they finally settled on that title, Masquerade, based upon the contents of the book, uh, and then prepare, prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History is the subtitle, and then the cover. And I'll, I'll explain to your audience what it is. But, but to set it up, then they said, all right, we're going to release it in March of 2020, because that's, you know, the first quarter of 2020, and it's just a good release date. And the publisher was also releasing several other, uh, what they thought would be big blockbuster hits in that same quarter, and so they were going to do that. Um, it's Defender Publisher and one of the largest Christ- publisher of Christian uh, books, and then, of course, the uh, they're affiliated with Skywatch Television, which is a international, hugely popular uh, Christian television show and prophecy, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why they wanted to, to, to release it in March. Okay, now, remember, in summer of 2019, I knew nothing. No one knew anything. At least, you know, none of us regular people knew anything about COVID and the shutdown of global economies and the shutdown of the church all over the world and putting people in their homes and the whole mask wearing business and and the the the, the not only the pandemic but the fear demic and just everything that goes with it. A lot of the concern was real. A lot of the panic and fear was irrational, illogical, in my humble opinion. We can talk about that later if you want. But I, we didn't know anything about this. And so they settled on the title Masquerade. Okay, well, what's the world going through right now? A masquerade. And I'll tell you why that title in just a moment. Well, it comes from 1 Corinthians 11 that speaks of Satan. Even he masquerades as an angel of light, particularly as he's pulling off his 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 end time uh, you know, fiasco that he's got coming according to the word of God. It's out of the mouth of Jesus. It's out of the mouth of Paul. It's out of the mouth of Peter and John. And, and Paul is the one that wrote the church at Corinth. And he says, look, 
Satan will masquerade. He'll put on a mask and pretend like he's something he's not, and he will deceive the world. Jesus said the deception would be so great that even the very elect could be deceived in the last days. So that's what we were, I was writing about. But in the midst of it, I was, I was putting together the mechanics of how all of this is going to be pulled off and how close we are to it being pulled off. And I wrote about how the spirit of Antichrist is going to work through the governments, if you will, or the institutions of the world, basically to shut down the church. And this, I wrote this in 2019 now, brother. I also wrote a few words in there, a couple paragraphs about maybe using a pandemic to do it. Um, I actually said that. Uh, and then I just went on to explain the biblical principles and precepts of what God's Word says is coming. And the cover they designed is a man wearing a mask. And the title is Masquerade, Preparing for the Greatest Con Job in History. And again, I'm not a science denier. I'm not one of those deniers that COVID isn't even real. All I'm saying is, is that it's my opinion that a lot of it has been hyped. Numbers have been jimmy-jammied. Now we know it. It's all coming to light. Even the latest CDC numbers tell a uh, a, a clearer picture, one that we thought was true all along, and now it's in print on the CDC site. So, so we find ourselves in the middle of one of the greatest global con jobs in history to date. But I can tell your audience, according to God's word, this is romper room compared to what's going to come. But this con job has opened the door to prophetic fulfillment after prophetic fulfillment. And we can go over those in a little while if you'd like. But the bottom right. line is, my friend, I knew what the cover was. I knew what the title was. I knew what I had written, of course. And, of course, we got on with the fall holidays, and, you know, and I'm pastoring a church, and I'm a radio host. I'm doing, I'm flying all over the country doing interviews and preaching prophecy conferences. And I've kind of put the book in the back of my mind. We turned the corner to 2020. In January and February, we start hearing about COVID, 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 and Donald Trump's trying to shut down the borders in America from Chinese influx, and, and the left is attacking him, and he's just gotten over the whole impeachment thing, and, and the country's in an uproar, and then and the next thing you know, it turns March, and now they're talking about, well, we're, we're thinking about locking everybody down, we're thinking about shutting the economy down, and there was a big fight going on, and we need to be, where do we need to wear masks or not wear masks? And everybody was weighing in on that. The next thing that comes out is, you know, and there are certain uh, non-essentials like churches. We need to shut the churches down. And this wasn't just in America. This was reverberating all over the world. And right in the middle of that, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is, what's the cover of my book? What's the title of my book? What were the things that I was writing about in 2019 that might happen pretty soon? And boom, the book is released just like it's supposed to. People all over the world thought that I was, oh, well, Carl wrote that in two weeks. He wrote that in, 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 in you know, February. He's writing about COVID-19. No, but, but when people read it, we began to get an influx of mail and phone calls from all over the world. No exaggeration, my friend. People saying, how did you know? How did you know? How did you know to have a cover with a picture of a man holding a mask on his face right. with the with the title Masquerade? We've read the book. You talk about things in 2019 that are going to happen, and they're happening now. We're living it now. How did you know it? And of course, 
my answer is it just had to be the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I don't claim to be a prophet, but I'm a preacher and teacher of the Word. I'm a student of the Word. I'm a student of prophecy. So, God But you did have a vision, right? Prophetic. You had a yeah. vision, Carl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's in there, too. That happened some years back. And uh, <laughs> I end the book with that, just showing people that this is how God speaks to God's people. And that story... Uh, it's a true account. I hate using the word story because that makes it sound like it's something you know made up. But but that true account of what happened with this vision slash dream that God gave me years ago, and then was was witnessed and and backed up by. And I'm sure you've. Pro- I'm, I'm not so vain to think you've read every single word of my book, but you probably have read something about it or know what I'm talking about. That yes. it took me years before I ever told it until. Somebody very dear to me in my own family was talking to me one day about a, a dream slash vision they had, and it was identical to what I had. And then, I mean, that was just blew me away. And again, I can get into the details with the audience if you want me to later. But 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 then the next thing, I'm preaching a prophecy conference a few years later, and a woman that's there, a young woman from Peru, who happened to be at a conference in Minneapolis. She came up to my table out in the foyer. I mean, there's a thousand-something people there. And she says, i got to talk to you. God told me that you could help me, that you're the only one here that could help me. And I'm thinking, well, that's crazy. I mean, I'm not all that. Why would God tell you that? And she said, I had a dream, and I need you to interpret it. And I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm not an interpreter of dreams. I, I, you know, I don't claim to be that. I'm a preacher. I'm an ex-cop, criminal investigator. I'm a preacher. She said, well, will you please let me tell you? I said, yeah. She starts speaking it. My son, my grown son, who goes with me to these conferences, he was in his 30s then, he's in his early 40s now, he, he was standing beside me. He grabbed my arm as she was speaking, and he said, Oh, my gosh, Dad, that's the same dream you had, and the same dream, and it was his son, my grandson, that had had it years before me and had never told anybody except my wife, and my wife had never told me until I told her the dream I had, and she said, you've got to talk to your grandson. And when he started telling me, it was identical, right down Mm. to the nitty-gritty details. Then this woman from Peru, who's in Minneapolis, standing at my table with my son beside me, she starts giving the exact same details, brother. I mean, details. We've got about five minutes. Just just give us a taste. What, What was the dream? Okay, uh, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be coy. I mean, I can lay the whole thing out, but, I, I, you know, for radio, I'll, I'll do it quickly. People don't want me to talk about it for an hour, but I can tell you that the dream basically was of what was going to happen in the last days, and it, and it started like this. And when I tell it, just keep in mind, when my grandson described it to me, because my wife said, tell your grandfather what you told me four or five years ago, and she was sworn to secrecy, but... He was older then, and he started telling it. And then keep in mind that this woman at this prophecy conference in Minneapolis, remember, I live on the Gulf Coast, and she's from Peru. And there's a huge connection there because, as it turned out, after I did the whole thing with her and told her what it was about, because I had had the dream, and she's standing there weeping, I said, where are you from? Because I speak Spanish conversationally, and I said, you sound like you're from Peru. She said, I am. I said, where? And she named the city, and I said, well, we've got... 
My church has a school there for poor children. We, 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 we started that school. We're still, we've been involved for 20 years. She said, what's the name of it? I told her. Now, it's in Lima. And Lima's like I, I, 9 million people. Right. She not only knew the school, but she and her whole family lived blocks from it. What's the chances of this, man? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. She said, oh, I know so-and-so, and I know so-and-so. We're in Minneapolis. I've never met her in my life. But the dream was this. And, it, and it, 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 I just went to bed and went to bed one night. I thought it was a dream, but when I woke up, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it for weeks. I couldn't shake it for months. I could still smell it, feel it. I could see the colors. It was all in color. I could smell smells in it. It was more like a vision, if you will, kind of like the Apostle Paul when he got caught up to paradise. And I'm not uh, comparing myself to him. But you remember he described it, and he said, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. All I know is I was someplace else. And I found myself in the presence of God, in the throne room of God. Well, I wasn't in the throne room of God, but I was someplace else. And apparently so was my grandson. And apparently so was this woman from Peru years later. Because we all had the exact same dream. And the basic structure of the dream is this. I was... And I know when your audience hears it, you're going to have people write and say, I've had the same dream. Because we've had now... Thousands of people around the world, because I preached this in a prophecy conference about a year ago, too. Now I've put it in my book, and many, many tens of thousands of people are reading it, and people are just flooding us with emails and phone calls saying, I've had the same dream. I never could share it with anybody because I was scared people think I was crazy. But yours has been verified. And so they're telling it, and here's how it goes. And so some of your listeners are going to tell you they've had either the very same dream or something similar to it, because I'm convinced we're getting very close, Richard, and God is revealing this. But I was standing in a field late at night. It seemed like it was night, and I don't know where I was. Behind me was the sound of a huge city, like Toronto, if you will. Uh, horns honking, sirens going, the voices, people. I could hear children laughing, people talking, some screaming, but not in horror or terror, just, you know, just the, the stuff of life. I could hear construction going on. It was at night, and I was looking into the sky, and the stars were gorgeous. Richard, just beautiful. I, I can't describe to you how real and beautiful everything was. And I found myself in my dream, but I mean, I thought I was there, uh, naming the different constellations. I've been kind of an astronomy, astronomy buff for years. And so I was saying, well, look, there, there's this and there's that and there's that. And then the stars, the constellations started moving around and changing colors before my eyes. And I remember thinking, wow. That is weird. If, if I didn't belong to the Lord, I'd be freaking out right now, but something's happening in the, in the, in the heavens. There's something going on. There's something is shifting. Something interdimensionally is happening. And about that time, I heard screaming of horror and terror behind me, but I wasn't allowed to turn around and look. I, I, I just couldn't. I was just looking at what was happening in the sky. And Carl, then, I got to jump in. I have, yeah. We're going to jump in and be a, a cliffhanger here. Yeah. We'll uh, take a quick time. I'll come back and you'll finish uh, telling us about this uh, vision. And uh, perhaps people who have had a similar uh, dream or vision will will share that with us in the second hour. Carl Gallops will be with us for the full two hours and we will open up the phone lines in the second hour. Uh, we'll take a quick time out back with more. Carl Gallup's Masquerade, be prepared for the greatest con job in history as we talk about the satanic deception right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, 
There's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Carl, you were in the midst of uh, telling us about this uh, vision or dream uh, that you were having. Your grandson had it, uh, although that was uh, kept from you. Yes. Uh, it was held in confidence by your wife. She, uh, and uh, another member of your family had had the same dream. A woman came up to you in Peru, uh, from Peru, rather, at a, at a conference, and she relayed, had the same exact uh, vision. So you're out in a, in a field, you, you hear this, the noises of a, a, a city, a, met, a major metropolitan area, you're looking up at the sky, you're, you're admiring the, uh, the heavens, the constellations, all of a sudden they start to shift and turn color, and then you hear uh, a horrific noise. Yes, yeah, it sounded like the world exploded. I just, it was metallic sounding, a, 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 a huge noise, and then people started screaming behind me. It sounded like millions of people in horror or agony. And I've got to tell your audience, I'm not trying to sell a book here, brother. I write these books because, you know, God puts this on my heart, and I want the world to know what. I believe the Lord has shown me in the scriptures through the years, but I'm just telling your audience that I'm leaving an awful lot of detail out in this quick radio description, but if they'll get the book, they can they can see the details of this, not only the vision, but but how it came together with me finally telling it. I, 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 I kept it to myself for years, but yet the Lord kept saying one day, I'm going to have you share this with the world. And I couldn't imagine, how can I do that? I'm going to get up in front of the world and say, I've had a vision. Yeah, well, right, preacher, you know. You're out preaching prophecy conferences. How convenient that you would have a vision, you know. But I fi- it finally, when my grandson said, I've got it, when, when, when this woman from Peru with my son standing there saying, I, you know, I've got, you've got to tell me something. God told me you could tell me what it is. And she says the same thing. Then I knew it was time. I still waited a couple of years, and then I shared it at a huge prophecy conference in Dallas that was going all over the world. And that's when it just exploded. And I had film producers making films about it, putting it on YouTube. And so I put it in this book. But yeah, so all of this is happening. I hear the noise, and I look up at the sky. And now the, what appears, what I thought were the constellations, the stars, if you will, were just really beginning to shift around the heavens. And then I knew, as this is this is something biblical. This this is not just me seeing things. And the next thing I saw was what I would describe, and I know these words come out of the Bible, but I would describe it as the stars began to fall from the sky, and they appeared to be hurtling themselves towards Earth. Now, I'm I, I'm a science buff too. I know what a star is. A star is a big ball of gas. This is very simple. Uh, it, it's a sun. And, and our sun is one of the smallest suns in, the, in our known universe. And, and so stars literally cannot fall to Earth. If they even got close to us, we would burn up. But that imagery is in the Bible of the stars falling to the Earth. Well, you know, people mock the Bible over the, you know, the millennial. How can a star fall to the? It can't even get near the sun if it came just a few hundred miles closer to us. We'd all burn up. Maybe ten miles closer. Who knows? But the stars can't fall to the earth. But I'm telling you, I saw what I thought was the phenomena of these stars falling to the earth. But then what happened? As people were just screaming in terror, I could hear sirens going off. I could hear crashing, probably automobiles crashing. It just sounded like the world was coming apart. But I could not turn around. I wasn't fearful, but I was anxious. And then I realized, right before it looked like the stars were crashing to the earth, 
They were not stars at all. These, I, I knew in my soul, these were angelic beings. And that matches what Jesus said in Matthew 24. He said, after the tribulation of those days, I, the, the Son of Man, I will call for my angels from one end of the heavens to the other. They will gather my elect with a trumpet sound. Well, that will come from the heavens. Maybe that was that metallic groaning I heard. I don't know. But, but I realized then the next thing, I'm being lifted up. But I'm in what I thought was some kind of a, I'm just going to call it a container for right now. I describe this in my book. I looked to my left, and my wife was there. And I know people are saying, well, how convenient. You and your wife get raptured out. Well, I'm just telling you what, what happened to me. And the next thing I realized, that there was an entity, a, a being, a, an intelligence, a benevolent intelligence that was over to my right. But again, I was not allowed to look upon him. And But I knew in my heart it was one of these angelic beings, and off we went. And the next thing I know, it was like a Star Wars movie. Uh, it was like everything was in warp drive, and the, and the stars, the beams of light in the sky just turned into these streaks, like we were moving at, you know, at, at the speed of light. And the next thing you know, is like we burst through another dimension, and laying before me was, I don't know, a planet, a, a, a plane of of earth, if you will, of, of earthiness, and I looked, and it was absolutely gorgeous. I can, I can see the colors, but I can't describe them. I can still smell the smells. It was something like potpourri, and the, the atmosphere was just unbelievable. We gently sat down. I saw these villages, I suppose, but more than a village, but not quite like a city with skyscrapers, but just beautiful places, villas. And I, I remember just asking this being, is this heaven? What is this? And my wife and I were looking at each other, kind of weeping, and the being spoke. I never looked at his face, and he said, this is yours. It's, it's yours forever. Get out. Enjoy. This is yours. And that's when I woke up. And I was so furious. I talk about this in the book. I did not. When I woke up and realized where I had been and what was happening in that I thought was a dream, but I couldn't shake it, I, I, I got up. I walked around the room, I got back in bed, and I willed myself to go to sleep, and, and just what I kept saying, Lord, please take me back, please take me back. It reminds me again of the Apostle Paul when he was caught up to paradise, and after it was over, he said, I wish that I could be separate from my body and with the Lord. I, I would give anything, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I'd give anything to go back to that, but I'm convinced that God has me here to be used for His glory until the time is right. And, of course, that's what happened with Paul. And, again, I'm not comparing myself to Paul. Right. I'm just trying to explain so, to your audience sure. who may not but have it, ever had anything like this that these kinds, of, these kinds of experiences are real. They're in the Bible, Paul, John, Daniel, these guys. And, and, and little peons like me have, similar, have had similar experiences, and now I'm finding thousands all over the world. So, again, the deal was, Richard, it, even, the, even the dream itself – it was so mind-blowing, and it, after it was all over, I kept wanting to tell my wife, but I thought, she'll think I'm crazy. She'll think. I mean, she'll think. Are you I'm describing, crazy. is what you're describing a, a, what they call a, a, a pre-tribulation rapture? Oh, yeah, listen, I, I really don't, don't try to define it in any of those terms. It could, it could be pre, it could be mid, it could be post. It just would depend upon what else was going on in the world at the time, and I wasn't shown that. I wasn't given a date or a time. I was just shown, I believe, 
that we're getting close. And again, I don't set dates. My people know me. Brother, I was a criminal investigator and deputy sheriff and 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 I, I look for, I need black and white, I need fingerprints and DNA and evidence and <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not a sensationalist in this way. Some of the things I say are sensational because God's word is sensational and we're living in biblically sensational times, but I'm just right. calling it black and white. Okay, so your your grandson and this woman from Peru, and there was, I think, another member of your family. I'm not I, I'm not sure, but yeah, did I, they I, describe did they describe uh, being taken up in some sort of a container and being shown this yes, yes, paradise exactly. and and they and and also the same words uttered by this angelic being, get out, this is yours. Yes, in fact, let me, if you don't mind, I'll just share a little bit of that with your audience if you think it's appropriate. Yes, yeah. uh, I think we've got about a, a minute here. Uh, oh. Carlos, you tell me when we're going to break, but I think we've got about a minute. Okay, well, we won't have time, but uh, but my quick answer to you is uh, yes. Uh, my grandson was just a little boy when he had it. He told his grandmother, my wife, and swore her to secrecy. But it was years later when I had it, unbeknownst that my grandson had had anything like that, my wife kept it secret. He didn't even tell his mom and dad. He only told my wife, who he's still to this day very close to. My grandson's grown and married and getting ready to have his own son now. But so, so, but when I finally, years later, just I was sitting having coffee, I told my wife, baby, I got to tell you something that happened to me some years back. I start telling her, and she just, her mouth dropped open. And she said, your grandson, who then was more than a little boy, now I think he was 10 or 11, she said, he's coming to our house after school. You've got to tell your grandson this dream. I said, why? I could barely tell you. Why do I have to tell my grandson? He's going to think his papa is out of his mind. She said, oh, no. She said, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to tell him anything. When he walks in the door, you sit him down and ask him to tell you about his, quote, rapture dream. I said, okay. So he came over. I sat him down. I said, tell me. He snapped his neck around and looked at his grandmother like, you told him. And she looked at him. She said, it's okay. His name's Parker. It's okay, Parker. You've you got to tell your grandfather. It's okay. So he told me, and this is what he said. He said, I was standing in a field at night, Papa, and there was a city or something behind me. He said it sounded like millions of people. And I was looking into the sky, and the stars started changing colors. And they started shifting all over the all over the sky. And then people started screaming. And then the stars started falling. And, and then they came, and Papa, they weren't stars. They were angels, and they were taking people up. And he said, I, I can just say it was like a chariot or something. But you got to remember, that's what he told his grandmother when he was about three or four year or five years old. He didn't know anything about chariots and raptures, and he was just describing right. to his grandmother this what he thought was a freaky dream, but he couldn't shake it. So he's telling me this. He's using the very same words. He started, literally started with my wife sitting there. I was in a field at night looking in the sky. I could hear the sounds behind me. And I was just freaking out. I said, "You okay? I told- I've got okay. to break away." But yeah, uh, and okay, <laughs> back with uh, more of my conversation with Carl Gallops, and we will get into uh, the end times and talking about the construction of the third temple and and the infiltration uh, of uh, of Satan into many of our institutions, including the church. Back with more. Stay with us. 
Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And I know we've uh, rolled out the numbers there, but if you, uh, if you have uh, a question, comment, uh, or you'd like to share whether or not you've had uh, a similar vision, we would love to hear from you, believe me. But uh, just keep your powder dry for now, and we will do that in the second hour. Carl Gallup stays with us. CarlGallops.com and uh, the web uh, the uh, the new book is Masquerade: Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. Um, I, I would love to spend more time delving into that uh, that vision, but I, I do want to um, move on and cover some of the major points in okay. in the book. Now you and, make uh, me sound crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but okay. I mean, so what you're describing obviously is uh, this vision. You know, sounds like we are you know, nearing what has been prophesied in the Bible, this, uh, these end of days. And so I wanted to jump to something rather pivotal, uh, when we're talking about end times prophecy and many people talk about this as being an essential element, an essential piece of the puzzle that has to happen before the tribulation, before, uh, you know, a rapture type event. And that is, the construction of the third temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, uh, you know, if people could imagine something like that happening. Uh, it, it would likely cause World War Three. Um, and, and I do want to talk about the uh, the Abraham Accords here in a little bit. But uh, you actually blew my mind reading about this because uh, when even having you on tonight, people were saying, ask him about the third temple and, and how is that coming? Is the third temple already built or is it, you know, uh, is, is it going to be uh, constructed soon? It, some people think it's actually being built piece by piece uh, and, 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 and is getting ready to be assembled and so forth. And you, uh, you sort of disabuse us of that notion in, in the book. Just Spend a few moments to talk about that, the, the, yeah. the, the construction of the third temple. I will. And let me just say to your audience before we shift to that, please, if, uh, before you judge what I was saying, I, I did not even come near finishing what's going, what, what happened with the vision. Please read the book. The details are there. It's quite mind-blowing, and it's, uh, it's uh, very, very hard to uh, dispute once you see the line of witnesses that came in contact with this understanding. And and I, I just really think it's tied to what you said about the temple and everything that's getting ready to happen. It's tied to what we're going through right now in 2020. Uh, and, and so, yeah, but, but no, I do have quite a chunk of uh, the book dedicated to this understanding of the temple and what Jesus really said about it, what Paul said about it. Um, and again, the people, you know, folks will have to get the book. And the reason I say that is I'm not trying to sell a book. It's just that that's where I, I can't do it in a 15 minute segment on a radio show. I can't recite uh, 20 chapters of detailed research material. So that's why I put these things in books. But anyway, um, the bottom line is this, brother. I, I'm just going to lay out some facts for your audience. Um, there very may well be a third temple on the Temple Mount sometime in the future. And I know there are some people listening right now that are screaming, yes, there will, because the Bible says so. Actually, 
The Bible does not definitively black and white say that. I already can hear people screaming at me, quoting scriptures. I'll get to some of that in a moment, but let me say this. I'm deeply connected to a man in Israel, born and raised in Israel. He's in his 50s now, served in the Israeli military. His on his mother's side are, are high-ranking officials in the Benjamin Netanyahu government, so high that I've been begged by the family not to even mention their names so that people don't know how, all of these different connections. I know who they are. I know what positions they hold. I'm not fibbing to your audience. But he also, this same rabbi, Messianic rabbi Zev Porat is his name. He has a huge ministry called Messiah of Israel Ministries because he his father was a rabbi, his grandfather was a rabbi, his great-grandfather was a rabbi. They served on what's known in Israel as the Dayan, which are the rabbinical courts. I mean, they are like way up in prestige, uh, connected to the government. They're not government entities, but they are highly, highly um, uh, connected to uh, influencing government figures. Um, they're very, very orthodox. Zev was raised in all of that. He was raised in B'nai Barak, Israel, the, one of the most, well, it is the most orthodox rabbinical community on the planet, much less in Israel. Um, he went to, uh, to rabbinical training schools, uh, training to be a member of the, of the new Sanhedrin Council. Uh, he graduated, certified to be on the Sanhedrin, and in the midst of it all, and it's a long story, I won't tell this, but in, in the midst of it, he came to Jesus Christ to an understanding that Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua HaMashiach, uh, that he is Lord, he is Savior, he is Messiah. His family disowned him. Uh, he, he was fired from his job. He had a huge job in a, in a big corporation, uh, entirely Jewish-owned. They fired him. Bottom line is, the Lord restored all of that to him. He's been in ministry for years. He goes all over the world. He's been in all over media, et cetera, et cetera. And, and he and I, I was in Israel with him not too long ago, about six, seven, eight, nine, well, no, I'm going to say a year ago. I was going to say months ago, but man, the time is flying. It's been about a year ago I was in Israel with him. And we actually went to the Temple Institute and to the Temple Mount. We talked to some of the, uh, uh, the, the chief rabbis in Israel uh, by phone and then their assistants by face-to-face -face about the whole uh, temple thing. The bottom line is this. Zev Parat has deep connections in the government, deep connections in the rabbinical community, deep connections in the military, and I cite all of this in the book. I give right out of mainstream media, I back up everything I'm getting ready to tell your audience. The vast, 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 vast majority of the, of the Israeli people do not want a temple there. They have no, most of the Israelis in Israel don't even know where the temple, uh, the, the temple institute is on the Temple Mount, in the Temple Mount area. In other words, that, that tourist site that all the people from around okay. the world go to the Temple Institute. Pardon, pardon my inter interjection again, Carl. This is a short segment, so we're going to take a, a quick time out, come back, and continue to talk about uh, the Third Temple. So important to end times yes. uh, prophecy, according to many. And uh, until you get the Third Temple, they say, there can be no... Uh, you know, Jacob's troubles, there can be no uh, end times, there can be no antichrist and so forth. So we'll get back to that in just a moment. Richard Serrett here on The Conspiracy Show in conversation with Pastor Carl Gallops. Don't go away. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. 
You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, so uh, there are to be uh, there were the, there were two temples uh, in Jerusalem. The first destroyed uh, by the uh, Babylonians around 587 BC. Uh, the, the second temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, and there is supposed to be the construction of the third temple, we are told. Uh, that will uh, sort of mark or be an important marker in terms of end times uh, prophecy. Uh, we have thousands of evangelical uh, Christians around the world donating millions upon millions of dollars to the Temple Institute. Um Oh, you know, for the construction of a third temple, which they believe, you know, will will lead to the end times, which they, you know, they want to get the ball rolling. They want the, the second coming and so forth. We have ranchers trying to raise an unblemished red heifer, which will be sacrificed in the temple. Again, an important ingredient, we are, we are told. Uh, but, Carl, you're here to tell us uh, that's that's not what the Bible says. Well, not only that. But it's not what the Jewish people say. And I know people are listening right now that are just freaking out, and they think that I'm some kind of a liar or or a con artist. But again, it's all in the book. It's all referenced out of mainstream media, out of government documents and resources, from the testimony of Zephyrat himself. Again, his family involved deeply in the government, deeply in the military, and deeply in the rabbinical movement, right into the courts of Israel and the Sanhedrin. He's connected to it all. and And... And he he is a huge source. I was with him a year ago. We actually went to the Temple Institute, talked to some of the authorities there. They didn't know who we were. We didn't lie to them, but we just didn't tell them who we were and why we were saying what we were saying and asking what we were asking. And so they thought we were all in favor of helping them. But the bottom line is this, and my book documents this, there's only a minuscule number of Orthodox Jews. See, Orthodox Judaism is divided into denominations much the same way that Christianity is. And so you can have Catholics, you can have Protestants, and the Church of England, all right? And you got then, then among the Protestants, and the, you've got the Evangelicals, and you've got all kind of denominations. Well, the, Judaism is the same way. And the very, very most Orthodox, even among them, there is only a small denomination who they truly want a temple on the Temple Mount. I mean, they want to go back to the old, 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 old days. They want a temple and they demand it. But the government has no intention of doing that. But the kind of the compromise, and it's, it's the best kept secret in Israel, uh, the, the only ones that don't get it are the Christians around the world. But the, the deal is the government has already issued many declarations. We are not going to destroy the mosque and build a temple on the Temple Mount. We have no intention, no desire to do that. But there, there is a small number of Orthodox who do. But when you poll the people of Israel, overwhelming majority, and this has been documented in mainstream Jewish media, in some of the most orthodox printing of Jewish media, that the overwhelming majority say, no, 
We do not want a temple. It will be World War III. We just want to live in peace. We don't want war to break out in our front yards and in our backyards. Um, we do not want that. It, it means nothing to us like that. Most Jews in Israel are not even looking for the coming of Messiah, if you will. Most of them are just very historically, uh, uh, traditionally uh, related to the, to, the, to the traditions of Orthodox Judaism, but they're not walking around every day, like, you know, many Christians are, saying, man, I'm looking for the rapture, looking for the return of the Lord. They're, but they're not walking around. Of course, they've denied that Jesus is Christ, so they're still looking for their Messiah. But they don't say, you know, we need to build him a temple. He's going to come to the uh, the temple. Right. The vast majority don't. So, bottom line is... What, is the Bible, what does the Bible say about the third temple, well, if anything? I, 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 I will get there, but i got to say this. The bottom line is the Temple Institute... Zev has got it firsthand from people who know, and I put this in the book and referenced it. They have already raised billions, many billions of dollars. They could build, Zev says that they could build 10 complete temple complexes right now if they wanted to. They've got so much money coming in. The government knows it. The people know it. Who's sending it? The Jews around the world? No. The Jews don't want it. It's evangelical Christians because they think the Jews want it, and so the Jews play to that. The, they play to, It's a money-raising thing, I'm telling you. This is the best-kept secret. All right, now the Bible. So, again, we could, I could talk for hours. That's why I'm telling people to get the book. But the bottom line is this. There is no passage in the Scriptures that definitively black and white declares that there will be a third temple on the Temple Mount in the third day because the second temple is destroyed, and that's where Antichrist is going to set himself up. I know people are screaming. They're saying, what about Second Thessalonians chapter 2? Well, I deal with that deeply in the book, and you've read it. You know what I'm getting ready to say. And I also deal with the passages in Daniel where Jesus said, when you see the abomination of, that causes desolation standing in the holy place, let the reader beware, as spoken of by the prophet Daniel, then you will know. Well, but there's a whole understanding to that, a contextual understanding. When you read those passages in Daniel, there's nothing mentioned about a temple on the Temple Mount that replaces another temple. And again, I can hear people screaming because they're reading from English translations that has the word temple inserted, but it's not in the original Hebrew. It's speaking of some kind of structure or edifice, and it doesn't really say exactly where it is, but it will be declared holy, and the man of lawlessness will kind of use that area as his headquarters, and from there issue to decrees uh, to to the last day's believers. And the last day's believers are, are people who are under the blood of Jesus, the saints. Uh, but anyway, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where it says that the man of lawlessness will set himself up in the temple of God, proclaiming that he himself is God, so many people look at that and say, well, there it is. It's in black and white. How can you miss this, Carl? But... That's not the context. That's not what it says. I show it in my, in my book. When you go to the original manuscripts, the word for temple is not temple. It is naos. The word for temple in Greek is hieron, which means the temple complex that we think of sitting on the temple mount. The word naos literally means the innermost sanctum of the temple, the holy place. But if you look at that in the Greek dictionary, it says it can either mean the inner, inner sanctum of the 
of, of the, the temple, like the Holy of Holies, or, the Greek dictionary says, most frequently used in the New Testament to represent the church or the body of the believer himself. Now, when you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul wrote that. He's writing the church, and he tells the Thessalonica church, he said, I shouldn't have to write you this. I've told you this. I've written these things before. I have preached this among you. You should already know these things. I shouldn't have to tell you. Well, where would he have written them? Well, when you look at his other books, he never uses the word he Iran. When you see the English translations about the temple, there's one place where Paul talks about and when the priests go up to the Heeron, the temple, and offer their sacrifices there, etc., etc., every time he uses temple from there on out, he uses the word naos. And every time he uses it, he uses it in its symbolic form. Know you not that you are the naos of God, the temple of God. Don't you know that your body is the naos of God, the temple of God, in which the Holy Spirit lives? Don't you know that in the last days, Ephesians 2, God is building up a holy naos unto himself. Jew and Gentile are the building blocks. Under the blood of Jesus, Christ is the head. The church is the temple. Jesus described himself as the temple. I'm one greater than the temple is here. Destroy this temple, pointing to himself, and in three days I'll raise it again. Well, Jesus Christ, what is the church called? The body of Christ. If Jesus is the temple, and now we're the body of Christ, Paul is saying we are the naos. So what did he say in Second Thessalonians? When Paul's speaking, he's only three years away um, uh, from the temple being gone, uh, he was killed in 67 A.D. The temple's gone in 70 A.D. Paul's writing this a little before 67 A.D., probably about 64 A.D. So the temple is still there. Paul's not concerned with being a, a Judaizer, a Jew, and sacrificing lambs on the altar. He's the one that says Jesus is the Lamb of God. So when he okay, I've got a sorry, Carl. I got to jump in here. Another time out, top of the hour. We'll uh, pick this up on the other side. Carl Gallup stays with us into hour two. Don't go away. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. And thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' Well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Pastor Carl Gallops is here, and we're talking end times prophecy, the Antichrist, the great satanic deception. Carl's new book, Masquerade, Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. And uh, before the uh, the break at the top of the hour, we were talking about the third temple, the construction of the third temple, which seems so pivotal to end times prophecy. And um, uh, Carl, you are detailing how this is not in the works, at least no plans in Israel. Even the, uh, the Temple Institute uh, is not planning on building a third temple, despite millions and billions of dollars being raised from evangelical Christians who think – that that is the, the, the purpose. Uh, and then from the biblical texts, uh, when Paul is talking about the temple, he is, he is not talking about the temple mount. He is talking about the body of Christ and the church. So 
that's where we left off. And okay. um, so we're, we're, what, what, what you're saying is, or what the Bible is saying, what, what Paul is saying is that the, when the Antichrist comes, he's not going to set up shop inside the temple, uh, on the Temple Mount. He's going to set up shop inside the church. That's what Paul says. I, I, you, you know, Richard, it's just what the Bible says, and I know it's not what the Left Behind series says. I know it's not what Hal Lindsey says, and, and listen, I know Hal Lindsey, not intimately, personally, but I mean, had some dealings with him and, and some of his uh, uh, best friends, and some of them have contributed material to some of the books I've written over the years. But I, I know that what I'm saying tonight is a little shocking to people, but when they read the book, they will see scholar after scholar after scholar for hundreds and hundreds of years, people have been writing about this, screaming the same thing I'm screaming, that Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 and following, you cannot use that verse to say, see there, it says the Antichrist is going to be in a new temple on the Temple Mount uh, in downtown Jerusalem. It does not say that. It does not say that. And Paul even chastises the church at Thessalonica, saying, you, you shouldn't have for me to tell you this, because I've already written it. And when you go read his writings, you realize over and over, he says, don't you know that you are the temple? Don't you know the church is the temple? Don't you know that we are the body of Christ? And he is the temple, the true temple. He called himself the temple. Destroy this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. And John says he was talking about his body, that he would resurrect it because he is the temple. He is the holy place. And now we represent him. And Paul is saying in the last days that the Antichrist will, his spirit will, will at first will do this. And brother, we're the first generation. We just, we just saw it happen in 2020, and it's still happening now. The governments of the world shut the churches down. And for the first time in the history of the church in 2,000 years, on Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Sunday represents the defeat of Satan. And on Resurrection Sunday, you would be hard-pressed to find a church open anywhere on the planet. For the first. When I saw them, Orthodox Easter, uh, they, they, they locked, they placed a padlock on the doors of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And you know Never spirit, had been done before. Never. The spirit of Antichrist said, I am God. I am setting myself up in the temple of God, proclaiming to be God. Now, that's the spirit. The real Antichrist, I mean, the person of Antichrist is just right around the corner, I believe. And it's going to be what we're experiencing on steroids, according to the Word of God. But this is not, this is what Jesus told in his parables in, in Matthew chapter 13. I spend chapters building up to this because he's the one that spoke about the tares being planted upon the wheat, uh, among the wheat. He's the one that talked about the birds of the air coming down and picking the seed off and, and destroying the work in the midst of it. He's the one talking about this gangly, uh, uh, unnatural bush with a starting as a mustard seed, but growing into this gangly, uh, unearthly thing that the birds of the air, there we go again, the birds of the air, whom Jesus has already said represents the demonic when he was talking about the sower, and just a few breaths later, he's telling that parable. Uh, the birds of the air make their nest in it. And, and, and I mean, it just goes on and on. He says it's like the woman with a yeast, to put a little bit of the yeast in the dough, and it goes through, and it corrupts the whole thing. Jesus is telling the church, look, in the last days, it's going to be horrible. Paul later expounds upon that, and he says, look, in the last days, there'll be doctrines of demons 
that will come into the church. And people will gather around themselves, people teaching things that their itching ears want to hear. People will hold to a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. I mean, we are warned over and over and over. And Paul told the church in in kind of a coded language when he called the church the temple, but he had said it in all of I mean, in all of his writings before that, but he'd said over and over, the temple, you're the temple, you're, your body's the temple, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, the church is the temple, Jesus is the temple, he's the head, he's the body, we're the body now, we represent him. And then he says, this man of lawlessness, first the spirit, see, Paul, John talks about the spirit of Antichrist is already here, but the Antichrist is on the way, but it will set itself up. And we rounded the corner in 2020 and on the heels of a pandemic, and I write about this in my book that I wrote in 2019, and has a picture of a man with a mask on his face. And by the way, the foreword was written by Pat Boone, and, and, and the subtitle is Prepare for the Greatest Con Job in History. In March, my book was released, and what was going on? Everything I had written about. The governments of the world were claiming we are God. Not only that, we're going to tell you shut down. Not only that, we're going to tell you when you can open, if you can open, and if you do, how you can open, how many people can come, how you have to dress, how you have to breathe. Do you put on a mask or not put on a mask? Can you have choir practice? Can you sing in your churches? We will let you know. Brother, that's never happened in history especially on a global scale. Now, things like that have happened in Muslim countries and communist countries and North Korea and China, and the church has gone underground. I mean, yeah, but in the, in the history of the birth of the church in 2,000 years, never has it happened almost overnight worldwide. And brother, we are still in the throes of it. Right in the United States, the largest constitutional republic and largest, quote, Christian nation on the planet that the planet's ever seen, with, with a Bill of Rights and the First Amendment saying the government cannot mess with the church. And look what the government has done, right down to city councils and mayors and governors, not counting, you know, federal decrees and, 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 and guidelines and, and pressure and, and Christians reporting Christians to the authorities, uh, church members reporting church members, pastors going to jail. In the United States of America, brother, is exactly the foreshadowing of what Paul wrote in Second Thessalonians. And I've been preaching this stuff for 35 years. People thought I was crazy. I wrote Masquerade in 2019. I said, people still going to think I'm crazy. And by 2020, it was happening. All right. So I want to talk about something that is not in the book. Uh, but a lot of people are clamoring about this. Recently, of course, Israel and the United Arab Emirates normalized relations. Also Bahrain, another Gulf state. Uh they are now talking about uh, another Gulf state, Oman, possibly Kuwait, maybe even Saudi Arabia, signing on to what has been called the Abraham Accord. Peace breaking out in the Middle East. And people, like they say about the Temple Mount, aha, this is a sign of the end times. I, I believe this goes back to Daniel chapter 27. They call it a false peace, and uh, it is one of those demarcation points. The beginning of the end times, this false peace will be signed in the Middle East, and uh, the countdown clock begins. What are your thoughts? Yeah. 
on the Abraham Accord. Is this the false peace? Well, it could very well be. And let me, let me just make some disclaimers here. I have never said that there will not be a third temple. I just say that Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, that everybody points to and says, well, see there, it says it right there, that you can't use that verse. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's just not talking about it there. There may be, but there are very few other verses that seem to say there has to be a third temple on the Temple Mount in the last days. When you do that same kind of study on all the words in the Old Testament, New Testament, Daniel, wherever. Now, to get to what you're saying, yes, we read in the book of Daniel that there, again, we hear of the Antichrist there. There he's called the, 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 the abomination that causes desolation and this, this, this lawless one and, 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 and the little horn and, the, you know, and all of these horrible things. And, and, and he's attacking the, the people of God, the saints of God. A lot of people say, well, see, he's attacking the Jews. But wait a minute. That book is written about the last days. That means our time and beyond. Well, who are the saints? The word saint means separated ones. The only ones who are separated, born again unto the Lord, who are children of God, are under the blood of Jesus. They, they are, you call them Christians, whatever, but they're followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody... Jew or Gentile, comes to the Lord but through me. So when, the, when Daniel, which is written to the end times, is not written about Israel and about Jews, of course Israel and the Jews are hugely involved in all of this. The whole Middle East, Israel, Jerusalem, I've written to this in many books, no doubt. But, but people have got to put this stuff in context. We're talking about last day's prophecy, so we have to understand what has happened in the last days. Well, Jesus went to a cross. He rose from the dead. The church is born. The gospel is being preached for 2,000 years. There has been no temple on the Temple Mount for 2,000 years almost since, since 70 A.D. And so, and, and so um, there may be, I mean, I wouldn't, Put it past this godless world system to try to make some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that the, that so many Christians expect to happen just to just to mess with the psyche of the planet. I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt that the Antichrist will 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 certainly set himself up in and around the Middle East and maybe even Jerusalem. I wouldn't doubt that. But I'm just saying to folks, we need to quit focusing on looking for a third temple. And we need to focus on declaring the gospel to the world and helping people to see that we are living in the most prophetic time since the first coming of Jesus Christ. And we cannot base our theology based upon novels and movies. We've got to base it upon what God's Word says, what the original languages say, what the context is, what the Old and New Testament fitting together say, and there are passages about the Antichrist making a covenant with many. And a lot of the novels and movies say, well, see, that's a peace accord between Israel and the Palestinians or the Arabs. Well, it could be, but the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says a, he, makes a, he makes a treaty or a, a covenant with many and in the middle of that covenant, he violates it. He breaks it. And when people are crying out peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. Again, I don't doubt that that could be a covenant with Israel and, and the Middle East. It could be covenant at the United Nations. It could be a covenant with the United States and the, and the United Arab Emirates with Israel. I mean, I, we don't know what it is. The Bible's 
is clear, though, that as prophecy is given, it is often veiled, but it's veiled such that when it happens, then God's people who are there, they will know, they will see it, they will know, and then they will say, oh my gosh, we're the ones. So I'm watching all of this very closely, along with you, Richard, and many of your, your, your listeners, because it could very well be this, this key, this spark, this trigger to this whole prophetic thing of, of, of you know, the, the, the travails of Jerusalem in, in the last days, and Israel, and, 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 and the, the alignment of the nations of Ezekiel 38 to come against Israel. I mean, obviously, these things are already beginning to shape, take shape right before our eyes. But what I do in the book, and I just can't do it here, I don't have the time, is I do the hard work. I do the word studies. I, I go to the scholars. I speak to Zev, who speaks Hebrew as his first language and trained to be on the Sanhedrin, brother. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. I, I go straight into the heart of Israel and talk to people who know this stuff. And, they, and it's revealed in this book about what's really happening. It is an attack against the demonic attack. Is not about a temple on the Temple Mount. It is against the returned Israel, which God says over and over and over, when I bring them back to the land, the nations will know that I am God, and I will do this in the last days. And even after it's done, nations will align themselves to come after Israel to destroy it. And we're, we're the first generation to see it happen. It's only been there 72 years. The other demonic attack is against the church. We're warned over and over. Jesus warned us in the parables. Paul warned them. He's going to set himself up in the holy place. He's going to set himself up in the temple of God. And, and we're told doctrines of demons are going to corrupt. Jesus told us that the birds of the air are going to make their nest in the middle of it. We were warned, and we were warned, and we were warned. And because we've looked at novels and movies for our theology, the church is in the midst of it beginning to happen and most of the church doesn't even see it. And I'm trying to wake up the church to what is really happening in the world. It's happening in real time, it's happening in double time, and it's not letting up, and more is to come, and most of the church doesn't know it. And in the midst of it, Christians go to social media and trash other Christians, trash their churches, trash their pastors, turn them into the authorities, exactly like Jesus said would happen. Uh, I want to back up a little bit and and talk about before we get to the Antichrist, we have to talk about the 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 identity of of Satan, the nature of of Satan. Yeah. And I, and I want to start with the name Lucifer. Yeah. Because I don't understand where that name came from. Why do we call this this fallen angel? Uh, why do we call him Lucifer? Where did that come from? It came from the Latin. It came from the Hebrew translated into Latin. And then in the English translations, the Latin was picked up. But it, it, in, in the Hebrew, it, it doesn't have the word Lucifer. That's a Latin word. But it, it goes to this word that, that means um, a, a shining one or, or, or one that... Uh, 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 oh, what's the word I'm trying to use here? I don't have my book in front of me. I, I, I have it all outlined there. But it, it, it speaks of, of, of a shining one, 
But the Hebrew word is so rich, and I do a word study in my book. I show you, and again, I mean, I get Zev involved, and he says, Carl, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's exactly what it says in the Hebrew, and that's exactly what it means. And so when you get to Daniel, where it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, and some translations say that. Other translations say, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. Son of the dawn, how you've been cut to the ground, you've laid the nations low, you've said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven, I will ascend above the stars of God. Now, brother, that's the angels. We, all through Revelation, we're told the stars of the angels, the stars of the angels. All right, wh- what was my dream about? Stars falling from the sky. I will ascend above the angels. I will ascend above heaven. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. And then God goes on to say, but I will bring you down. All right, so how you have fallen from heaven, you shining one? Well, that translates to Hebrew, to Latin, Lucifer, the shining one, into English translations. But what that is, that is a disparaging term that God is using. It's like this. If all you did was get on the radio every day and brag about yourself, I would say, you know, oh, Richard Serrett, he just shines on himself all the time. He just he just shines on and on. He, he, he lights his own light. He puts his own lamp up on it. You know, he, he, he walks in the room and he thinks that he's the light of the world. That's what's being said here. God is, 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 is disparaging him. How you have fallen from heaven, you shining one, you braggart, you, you, you prideful, arrogant one. How you've been cut down to the ground. You say in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will ascend above the angels of God. But I will cut you down. I will bring you down in the presence of the nations. So that's what that's talking about. It's, it's, it's not some kind of, a, of an accolade to him. Now, some people will look in, in, in the New Testament, and this is where the title of my book comes from, Masquerade, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where it says, but even Satan himself will masquerade as an angel of light. And they say, well, see, there it is, angel of light. Yeah, but what does it say? He will masquerade as one. Why? Because he's not one. He is not an angel of light. Yeah, but Daniel says he is. No, Daniel's not saying that. We're reading an English translation, but the Hebrew word is used as a pejorative. It's used to as, as to speak of a braggart. Right. Who so it's not himself. a it's not a name. It's an adjective. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So so there is one of the first misnomers about Satan, and I've had deep conversations with Zev about this. Again, this is his first language. And, and, and I started uncovering this stuff, and I went straight to him. I said, am I wrong on this? He said, oh, no. He said, I've been t- teaching this in Israel for decades. He says, but most of the Christian church doesn't want to hear it because they've got their own little traditions about what it means. And he says, but no, you're absolutely right, Carl. He said, every Jew in Israel will tell you that what that word means in Hebrew. It doesn't mean what the American Christians try to make it mean. <laughs> so it's just crazy, brother. There's just so much misconception out there, and I'm not trying to disparage anyone, and I'm certainly not trying to say I've got all truth. I don't. I'm still learning. That's why I go to the experts. I go to people like Zev and others who speak the language, who studied to be Hebrew rabbis, and and you know who are connected to that culture deeply, and I'm always bouncing stuff off of them, saying, look, am I anywhere near the truth on this before I put it in print? 
And what I'm trying to do, brothers, is just wake the church up. Satan is real. He is interdimensional. He's been around since almost, well, the beginning of time as far as we know it, but, but, but you know, he's created. God created him. But okay, I've got to, I've got to, Carl, pardon the interruption, got to take another time yeah, out. We'll yeah, come sir. back and continue to delve into uh, Satan. Who is he? And uh, further, the, uh, the great satanic deception. Back with more of my conversation with Carl Gallops when The Conspiracy Show returns. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Masquerade, prepare for the greatest con job in history. That's the title of Carl Gallup's latest and uh, we are talking about uh, end times prophecy, the Antichrist, Satan. Um, so you, you explained where the name Lucifer came from. It's not his name. No, it's, uh, it's it's a, it's an adjective. He's a he's a braggart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the the word actually comes from halal halal in Hebrew halal. Uh, is one form of the word halal, and and that's where we get hallelujah from. So it 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 can mean in its root form to praise, but used in the form that it's used there in Daniel, it means to praise oneself, to brag, to shine his own light, to give praise to himself. Oh 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 halal, you you braggart. Yeah, that's what it means. And again, Zev, who speaks it as his original language, he said, Carl, I've been trying to get people to see this for decades. He says that you're exactly right. That's exactly what it means. That's how we use those words and how we understand them today in the Hebrew. Okay, so how did Satan, um, how did he come to be in the garden? Uh, how did he set up shop there uh, and and then obviously uh, uh, you know pull this great ultimate deception on Adam and Eve that got this whole ball rolling. But how did he end up there to begin with? Yeah, you know, Ezekiel 28 tells us, and 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 there are other hints throughout the Scriptures, even in the New Testament. But Ezekiel 28 just flat tells us. I mean, God says there, he's speaking, he says, he says, I created you. From the day you were created, you were the most beautiful, the most. And I'm paraphrasing here, but I, you can look it up, Ezekiel 28, and and and, and it's you know it it's, it starts off as a as a as a lament against the king of Tyre, but then it transforms. This is what's known as a uh, compound prophecy. It it and and I write about that, and I show the experts, the 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 scholars who understand this theological term of compound prophecy, and starts off. As against the king of Tyre, but then what God is showing us is that the wickedness behind the king of Tyre is demonic, and it's more than demonic, it's Satan himself who has inhabited this man. So then he turns to, and he speaks to Satan, and he says, from the moment you were created, you were created in perfect perfection. Nothing was any better, any smarter, any more beautiful than you. And then he goes on to say, and I placed you in the garden. You were my guardian cherub. He was one of the cherubim. Ezekiel tells us the cherubim are the living creatures. We get to Revelation and we see four living creatures surrounding the throne giving praise to God. Praise, there you go, from halal, there you go. 
So instead of giving praise to God, this halal gives praise to himself, thus Lucifer. And so Ezekiel 28, God says, I put you in the garden, but there you profaned it. Profaned it. That comes from another Hebrew word, chala, which which means just filth. You turned it into filth. It could have sexual connotations. It can have anything that's just filthy and perverse. He said, you you chalaled it. You you turned it into this nasty place. You you led my my creation to sin, and and because of that, I cast you out. And because of that, in it, 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 I'll tell you what Ezekiel twenty eight says. I'm just going to put it in plain English. He says, and in the end of everything, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. I will reduce you to ashes, and you will be no more because of what you did in the garden. So the bottom line is, God knew all of this from the beginning, and I write about that in great detail in Gods of the Final Kingdom, which came right before this book, Masquerade, and I write about it again in Masquerade some. But to answer your question, that's where it kind of all started. Uh, Satan was around before the Garden of Eden was created, and was a right-hand man, if you will, around the throne of God, and was entrusted as kind of a, the governor, if you will, or the prince of the, of, of the entire creation. He was the prince of the garden, the prince of the, of the earthly creation. But he decided he wanted it for himself. And Isaiah 14 tells us that. He says that's when God calls him, you braggart, you shining one, you, 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 know, you give praise to yourself. You say, I'm going to be like God. I will ascend to the Most High. I will have the angels worshiping me. I will have the whole earth worshiping me. And when we get to the New Testament, the book of Revelation, what do we find? In Revelation 13, Satan enters in, gives his power to a man who becomes what we know as the Antichrist, or the man of lawlessness, or the beast who rules the world, who demands worship and marking systems and and. and attacks the saints of God. And I mean, it's, it's all right there. When you put the story together and connect the dots contextually, and again, I appeal to dozens of scholars who see the same stuff. They've written to this for hundreds of years. I go all the way back to the early church. The earliest scholars were writing about it. They saw it. The problem is the modern church has sanitized almost everything we're talking about tonight, brother. It's been sanitized. Doctrines of demons have infiltrated. It's all about building empires, making money, uh, getting fame. There's that corruption, that demonic corruption, and it rounds the corner in 2020, and the governments of the world say boo to the churches. And the pastors and the churches shutter the doors, put chains and locks on them, and run and hide. Now, now I'm not being disparaging. In some places, in some areas, they pretty much had no choice other than just everybody be killed. Or in some places, they had no choice because uh, because the, the 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 virus was just so contained within that. New York City. If I had a church in Manhattan in the early days of COVID, I probably would have shut my doors too until we got a grip on what was really happening. So I'm not disparaging individual pastors and churches. I'm describing the global phenomena of what did happen and what's still happening. Right. Satan so, said boo through the, through the governments of the world, which he controls most of them, one way or the other. He is the prince of this world. He is the God, little g, of this age. The Bible says, Jesus says, Peter says, Paul says, and he said boo. And the temple of God in the last days, the church, obeyed. 
and brother, so, that uh, has never happened before in the history right. of the church. But here we I are. Wanna, so when you see what's happening now, when we all see what's happening now with the pandemic and uh, the strife in the streets and so forth, uh, does that indicate to you that we are that what they call Jacob's troubles or the tribulation, the seven year period uh, leading into the end times. Does that yes. indicate that we have the Jacob's troubles have begun? Are we now in the midst of the tribulation? No, I, listen, I, I know people have all kinds of isms and schisms and, and PowerPoints and charts and graphs and maps, and I, I just don't get into that. I just go by what the Bible says in context and where we are. And yes, we're in the leading edges of it. It's building to that. The Antichrist as a person has not appeared and, and started kind of running the kings of the earth in that kind of way yet. But can't you see the types of it? Don't you, don't, don't we understand for the first time in the history of the church? We, we've, we've, we've shuttered our doors. We've, we've hidden in corners. We've shaken in our boots and we're doing everything the government tells us or the fake media tells us. And the nations are aligning against Israel and Israel is hated. Churches are hated. Pastors are hated. Christians hating each other. I mean, brother, all of those things are described in the Bible as the leading edges or the beginning of the days of tribulation. So I'm not willing to say the tribulation is already here, we're already in the midst of, but the word tribulation, I know you're talking about the great tribulation, those last seven years that it seems, the Bible seems to speak of, but the word tribulation comes from the Greek word thlipsis, and it means pressure, mounting pressure, to the point of bursting, to the point of people having heart attacks. Well, Jesus said that. He said the last days people are going to people are going to faint in the King James, but it means they're going to die. They're going to die from heart attacks because of the terror that's coming upon the earth. And 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 I've written about this in a book I've got coming out in November. I've gone through and documented in the middle of this 2020 COVID Suicide rates have gone through the roof around the world. Depression and the prescription medications of, of antidepressants gone through the roof. It's epidemic. This thing called social isolation syndrome. Your audience can look it up. It's a global phenomena. People are killing themselves. People are drugging themselves and out of out of their minds because they're going crazy with social isolation, wearing masks everywhere, government telling them what to do. They can't go to church. They and if they do go, they they got to wear a mask. They can't sing. They can't and and people are freaking out. And the Bible said that this would happen and it's never happened to a global generation ever before. We're living in the midst of it, and most of the church doesn't even see it. So, yes, you're on to something, uh, Richard. It's, it's building, it's building, it's building. That flips us, this pressure. It's mounting, it's mounting. We're getting very, very close to some more prophetic things bursting upon the scene, I do believe. All right. We will take another time out. We've opened up the phone lines at 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty in the Greater Toronto Area four one six three six zero zero seven forty toll free from out of town one eight six six seven forty four seven forty one eight six six seven forty four seven forty questions and comments for Carl Gallops but would also love to hear from anyone who if you remember back to hour one when Carl was laying out this this vision this dream that he had that his grandson had, that this woman who approached him at a conference from Peru had the identical vision 
wondering if you have had it too. I'm back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. 416 Toll free from just about anywhere. one 866 740 740 1866 740 And in the GTA Toronto, 416-360-740. Uh, I, I want to get into maybe some more uh, evidence we may be uh, on the cusp or entering into the, the Great Tribulation. Uh, and uh, indicative of that would be this World Watch Institute Global Population Reduction Study. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, I want to go into the I want to go to the phones, and uh, we have Skip joining us from Connecticut. Skip, good evening, good yeah, morning, welcome. I, I want to bring up a couple of items. One was the uh, to some people's interpretation of the Bible, uh, the nephilim or the uh, Nephilim. Nephilim. Right, Nephilim were trying to corrupt the seed to Jesus by uh, uh, mating with human woman. And that's one reason for the flood, to destroy that corrupt seed. Now, today you're hearing about altering people's DNA. So I'm wondering if you see anything with that. And my second item would be uh, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, says that they proceeded from evil to evil. So that was like the telltale sign. It wasn't like they had a bad month or a bad week. They just jumped from evil to evil. And you brought up singing. Gavin Newsom outlawed singing, but just in church, supposedly. You know, I don't think you can legally do this and outlawed home Bible studies in California, which has 40 million people, but he also targeted surfers, individual surfers, and people barbecuing. So who who are these people? Well, can I speak to that, uh, Richard? Yes, please. Okay, yeah. Skip, thanks for listening, man. Thanks for calling from Connecticut. I hear the Connecticut accent. I was raised in Michigan for a few years in, in, in my early life, so I'm, I'm familiar with that. It's great, it's great to have you. Hey, listen, excellent questions. People ask these questions all the time. Listen, I've written extensively to the Nephilim, and yes, you're, you're on to something there. Genesis 6, of course, says, and in those days, the sons of God, and that, every time that phrase is used, uh, B'nai Elohim in Hebrew, there's only, it's only used used specifically that way about five or six times in the entirety of the scriptures, Genesis, Job, and in the Psalms, and every time that specific phrase is used, it's always translated as angels or divine beings, except in most modern translations of Genesis 6-4, because it's too freaky to consider that somehow there was some kind of interaction between angelic beings and human women, and the church doesn't want to hear it in 2020 in America, where we just want fluff and sugar and sweet, and so we sanitize it. And the translations are more than glad to just leave it as sons of God and let the pastors and preachers argue over it. But in every other verse where that phrase is used in the Bible, the exact words, B'nai Elohim, it's always translated as angels. So there 
obviously before the flood, if you interpret it contextually and correctly, there was some class of angelic being that either could have relations with humans or was manipulating that whole process somehow with technology, intellect, at, that Satan promised Adam and Eve, said, look, you can be like the gods, you can know what we know, if you can just, you know, just kind of do this thing with us, whatever it was. And I write about this in Gods of Ground Zero, I write about it in Gods and Thrones, Gods of the Final Kingdom, even in Masquerade, I touch on it again. So you're right, and listen, here's the deal, Skip. Not only does the Bible say those things that most of us would think as being rather freaky, but you've got to remember, before the flood, we don't know. Listen, in the Garden of Eden... Uh, humans and the divine realm actually inter- interacted with each other. Satan was in the garden. Uh, God walked with Adam and Eve, and you know, in the cool of the evening, Satan told him, "You can be like the rest of us, the gods." Little G, that's the Elohim, that's the angels. Uh, well, how could Adam and Eve know what that would be like if they didn't interact with them? If they didn't know them, of course they did. And so, before the flood came. It was a whole different world. It, was, it started in perfection and then became corrupt, but it became so evil to evil, as you said, Skip, that God pushed the reset button and destroyed everything. Now get this, Skip. You get to the New Testament, and Jesus says in Luke 17 and Matthew 24, he says, in the last days, just before the coming of the Son of Man, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah. And then he adds this caveat, and it will be just like it was in the days of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And, he, and, and then he says, and, and one of the defining features, people will just in the middle of it happening, they will go on with their lives, eating and drinking and giving them marriage and pretending like they don't see what's happening, right up until the day the flood came and destroyed them all. So you're right, Skip, we are the first generation on the planet since the flood that the entire globe now is wrapped up, and mainly it's because of technology, in going from evil to evil, we're corrupting flesh over all over again. That's what Genesis 6 said, that that's why God destroyed it then, because all flesh had become corrupt, animal and human. I mean, he put, he put eight humans on the ark, and he put animals, certain animals that God brought to Noah. Noah did not go out and collect those animals. The Bible says three different times in Genesis, God brought them to him. I'm convinced those were the ones that weren't corrupted in their DNA. God knows who was corrupted and what animals and what humans okay. were not. We're, we're just about heading into the break here. but yeah, uh, you're, you're right. Uh, when, you're right. And Jeremiah speaks of it too. Evil to evil speaks of the days of Noah. Thanks, Skip. Okay, thank you, Skip. When we come back, uh, I want to follow up on on Skip's second point, and that had to do with the alteration of DNA and whether that might be playing into this, because they are talking about a new line of vaccines that are sort of DNA, RNA type vaccines. So uh, we'll uh, that'll be first order of business on the other side. Carl Gallup's my guest, and uh, we'll uh, continue to uh, take calls as well. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Pin numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. 
Uh, you know, there's just no two ways about it. I need a four-hour show. <laughs> we can't cram all of this in. But uh, um, Carl, uh, skip from Connecticut. Talk so much. <laughs> no, no, no. We just it's it's all good. But uh, Skip from Connecticut had a follow-up question, and that had to do with. Uh, changes to our DNA. And of yeah. course, back in well, 2018, the New York Times was wrote a, a, an article. So this isn't pie in the sky conspiracy stuff. The New York Times is talking about the, the this new generation of vaccines, uh, DNA uh, and RNA yeah. vaccines, gene-based vaccines uh, that will well, they call the RNA sort of messenger RNA uh, right. vaccines. They will they will basically turn our bodies into vaccine factories. Yes, exactly. So that's where we're heading. So it, I'm wondering if that plays into uh, the satanic deception. I think it very well could. And let me explain and put this in, in, in context. A lot of this is based upon my opinion, but I think it's a learned opinion. I'm, 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 I'm kind of a science geek, and, and I... You know, I am educated in the sciences, so I'm not stupid in this, but I'm also very, you know, of course, deeply involved in the Word of God and its proper interpretation, preaching and teaching it for almost 40 years, writing all these books and doing media. So that's why I say a learned opinion. I think, I think you're right, brother. Look, I am not one of these guys that every time something new, technologically-wise, comes along, that I go, that's evil, that's, that's of the devil. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm a techno geek. I love all the gadgets. My, my wife calls me Inspector Gadget. I, 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 like, I like technology. I love technology. But the problem is, because I'm a believer, because I know God's Word, and because I, I study and research and I do these interviews and I have to be up on what's going on in the world, I also know we live in a fallen world. And if we were a world full of benevolent people, then producing a vaccine using the alteration of our own genome, <laughs> our own DNA structure through the RNA messenger delivery system, I think that would be really cool. The problem is, brother, this world is so evil, and there are evil people looking for every advantage they can find militarily, uh, you know, manipulatively to manipulate populations, to, to get rid of billions of us. As you mentioned earlier, there are great, uh, you know, global plans to do that. They write about it openly. Bro, this is not conspiracy stuff anymore. They talk about it openly. World leaders, I've got all this documented in several of my books. And so now we're, we've, we've created, the planet has created a problem, COVID-19. And, and, and what I mean by that is, look, it's, it's an upper respiratory virus. And it's bad to a certain demographic. It's really bad. But it's not the bubonic plague. It's not the black plague. It's not even the Spanish flu of 1918. Yet they've seized upon it because the first time in history we now have a global information communication system that we can transport fear and panic to the world overnight. And they found their trigger, and they did it. They shut the churches. They shut down major economies. They've ruined people's lives. Um, they've put people on drugs and alcohol because of it, and, and the, the, the isolation syndrome, driving people out of their minds, suicide through the roofs. All of this has happened for the first time, and then they come up with a solution. We've got a vaccine. Oh, well, okay, so we don't have to worry about it anymore. That's right. And this vaccine has never been used wide-scale on human beings, ever. But yet they're ready to roll it out, ready to give it to us. Well, what is it? 
They've been experimenting, as you said correctly, for years. Uh, mainstream media has been reporting on it. They've been gushing about it. And in a benevolent world, I would gush with them because I'm always looking for ways to make humanity not have to suffer so much. That's cool. But what are they doing? They're, they're delivering information. They've learned how to manipulate not only genetic and genetic splicing and CRISPR-Cas9, but now the RNA, the message delivery system that takes messages to the rest of the DNA to, as you said beautifully, to turn our own DNA into a vaccine-producing factory. Well, that sounds pretty cool, except that, first of all, it's never been done wide scale on humans, and now we're going to do it for an upper respiratory virus. And here's the thing I tell people. I know COVID-19 is not the common cold. Bottom line, though, it comes from the same virus. It's like, it's like the flu and then you know H1N1 and all these other various strains of it. Some of them are like the flu on steroids. Well, COVID-19 is like the cold on steroids. They both come from coronavirus. Well, we don't have a vaccine for the common cold. The common cold. So how can we come up with a vaccine in months for the super bug of coronavirus that was supposed to basically kill half the world? Well, of course, we live in a different technological age. Our technology has gone, you know, uh, has been advanced so much. So, of course, things have advanced. But you're right. And, and Skip is right. It's like this corruption of flesh, and there are people wanting to do it, and they're wanting to track us. They're wanting to put digital uh, uh, tattoos, biological tattoos within the vaccines. I don't know if they will. They're talking about making them mandatory. Of course, our president just the other day said we will not make this mandatory. Well, that's good. I don't think Donald Trump will. But who's coming in office after him? I mean, so once you let that cat out of the bag, once you open Pandora's box, where are we going with this? And but so, what does that? What? How does the changing our DNA play into Satan's endgame? Uh, from what I've read, uh, of what I know from the Bible, and what I have uh, read uh, about uh, the changing DNA, I'm sure you have done shows, or I know you're aware of it, whether you've done shows or not, on it, on the whole study and understanding of epigenetics where we can actually, our environment, the things that we uh, invest our mind in and, and, and make a part of our life and the things that we uh, do to ourselves, it actually changes coding within our DNA structure. It doesn't change exactly who we are, but our, you know, as far as our DNA goes, but epigenetics, you know, below, beneath, like an epidural, below the skin, epigenetics, even deeper into the genome, it actually changes. We're just now discovering this truth that we can, our DNA changes, and some of it we can pass on to future generations. Isn't that what God's Word said? So that, that we can pass our sin from generation to generation if we don't get rid of it, don't repent of it, if we don't bring it under the blood of Jesus. The Bible tells us this. Now we're discovering that, guess what? We really can. And so now, 
what you're talking about, yes, could it be a part of, of the end game of, of the Antichrist? I don't see how it couldn't be, brother. The Bible talks about taking marks. What are these marks? We don't know, but we know that you take the mark because you're willing to worship the beast. I remember reading just a year or two ago that scientists were all giddy about the fact that they're learning how to turn switches off and on within the DNA structure, the so-called junk DNA they've now discovered is not junk at all, which is what I've been screaming for decades and called a science denier. Now scientists are saying there's no junk there. These are switches that have been turned off, and we're learning how to turn them back on. That makes you kind of wonder if they weren't turned off at the flood, if the, at the garden curse. Who knows? But God knows. But the thing is, one of the things they said, we have found the switch that we believe. Now listen to this, Richard, and you can go on the Internet and research it. We believe that messing with this switch will enable us to have a person programmed where they will no longer have the desire to worship God or to worship any god. It's like a switch that's in our DNA. Now, when you think about that, and you think about vaccines that mess with the messenger systems of DNA, and you think about epigenetics in our environment, and the things that we ingest, and the things that we do, and the things that we immerse ourselves in, and you think about CRISPR-Cas9 and the biological cut and snipping process of and, and you think about, you know, the hybrids between humans and animals, the chimeras, chimeras, uh, all of these different things that are happening. You think about the militarization of these things. You think about DARPA working with this stuff. Then you go read Revelation 13, and it's a whole different light. Why? Because we're living in a whole different world. The planet has never been where we are right now. The corruption of all flesh is upon us. And it's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. Carl, how do we very quickly listen to you on uh, the radio? Yeah, just go to my website, carlgallops.com. Everything there is about me. Live streams are there. Call-in numbers where you can call my show. They're all there. Everything is there. Carlgallops.com. Masquerade. Prepare for the greatest con job in history. Uh, Carl, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, the pleasure is mine, Richard. Thank you and your amazing audience. God bless you. God bless you. Bye for now. All right. uh, Back next week with a brand new program. The Honorable Paul Hellyer will be here for the first hour. Victor Vigiani and I as well. We'll talk about uh, UFOs. What else? In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.